0: Joseph Mendoz with another video for virtualsheetmusic.com. Today I'd like to talk about, uh, well, in general sound, but in particular uh, how to create a really, really great cello tone. Now tone or sound or whatever you want to call it is uh, something I think that for the cellist especially is very important. Obviously to be a great violinist or a great violist or a great Bassist or or any other instrument, you need to have a great tone. But really, cello. When people uh, think about the cello, uh, they think, oh, it's a beautiful instrument. It has beauty. Uh, uh, there's so much beauty in the sound and richness. Uh, so if you're a cellist and you don't have this, I think uh, you're you're making your life pretty difficult. Um, uh, and I think it, the the tone is something that needs to be worked on now there's a lot of things that go into a really really great cello tone but the first thing I'd actually like to start with um, is actually not the thing you would think would be obvious that I would start with which is the right hand I want to start with the left hand really to have a great sound first thing is is you have to make sure the string is getting all the way down now I talked about this in I think my vibrato video and maybe in a different video as well um, but really the, the string has to be all the way down and the best test for this is pizzicato. If you pluck a note, sorry, not an open string, <laughs> if you pluck a note with a finger down, even without any vibrato, do it with no vibrato, you hear that there's a nice ring. Now if that string isn't all the way down, you get a thud. So this is something you have to be careful of because in a pizzicato it's very obvious when this is happening. But when you're playing with the bow, it's a little bit different. For example, I'll first play a sound uh, uh, I think is a pretty good sound with the, the string all the way down. Now I'll play one without the string all the way down. So there I'm, I'm just kind of pushing the string to the side or just kind of nudging it down slightly. Now as you can hear, it's not necessarily a really, really bad sound, but as soon as I get that string down all the way, well, I hope you can hear the difference suddenly not only does it get a little bit bigger but the sound gets richer so that's something you want to be careful of so I know when I'm uh, uh, practicing myself sometimes I like to check this I'll play a certain passage uh, just pizzicato first um, and then I'll uh, I'll make sure that uh, um, when I play with the bow that I'm getting the same feeling in the left hand now of course getting the string down you know, you want to be doing this from above, you don't want to have any sort of pressure back here from the thumb. You just want to be right on top of it, at this thumb. As you can see, I'm kind of wiggling it up there. It should be very, very free. Okay, so now with that out of the way, we can talk about a little bit about the bow. Now, uh, the bow has obviously a lot of different uh, um, uh, things. Uh, that we have to worry about such as even how we hold the bow and and things like this. I won't get too much into uh, bow hold. There's there's so many different competing ideas on this. I'll just kind of talk about what I think are just some of the basics that need to be in a bow hold. First of all bow hold needs to be flexible. I know I covered all this in my, in my bow video but I'll just go over it quickly again here. The bow hold needs to be flexible um, uh, in terms of your fingers and your wrist. Uh, things can't be locked up um, uh, this is really going to hinder your ability to make a very, very beautiful tone. Um, uh, you know, you, you need to make sure that uh, you're applying uh, pressure in the right way, not from squeezing the bow, but from changing the uh, changing the, the arc. So that as you approach, like for example, if you're on the D string, as you approach the A string, or, or as, as you approach the tip, you get closer to the A string that way. And Um, the other thing is, is actually has to do with uh, keeping the bow straight. Now, the bow does need to be straight, there's no doubt about it. And when I say straight, I obviously mean straight across the string. Um, but th- there's a little bit of. Um, uh, uh, Difference you can make here if you actually don't keep exactly a straight bow. If you keep a bow that is just a tiny, tiny bit crooked, angled uh, this direction, then that bow will kind of drift towards to the bridge, and it'll reach a spot where it'll kind of have an equilibrium. You now, this trick is very useful, for example, in the beginning of the Dvorak Cello Concerto, um, where you want a really, really big sound. You can get that bow. Stay right close to the bridge. And get a get a lot of power that way just by making that angle change. And then really you have effortless power. Now you don't have to worry so much on the up-bow because the up-bow, you know, we, we tend to have plenty of power on up bows anyway. It's always on down bows that, that, that's the issue. So um so in terms of your overall sound and tone, uh, those two things, uh, what I talked about before, with the, the changing of, of the, you know, uh, getting kind of higher as you get to the tip, and also making sure that you're doing a little bit of that angle change. Now you can do too much. And you can slide right off the bridge, like that. But you don't wanna do too much, you wanna do just enough so that that bow starts to kind of drift a little bit towards the bridge you don't want to do any more than, than than what you need. Now the next thing with uh, the tone uh, has to do with um, I think the, the vibrato actually. Um, uh, you know, definitely the right hand I think is the most important thing. We talked about what the left hand, you know, needs in terms of getting that string all the way down. Uh, but the vibrato is something that needs some attention too. Uh, the vibrato should be, uh, I think for a very, for a very, very good basic tone, the vibrato on a cello should be relatively wide. Um, now th- this is a question of taste as far as I'm concerned. Um, I, I take my ideas on vibrato really from opera singers, and when, when you hear a great opera singer in a really big hall, what they're able to do, especially when they're playing, when, when they're singing really, really loud, is they make that vibrato really, really, really wide. Um, so that uh, the, the sound kind of goes like this out of the hall. It's not really particularly narrow and focused like that, but it's really, really, really wide. So that's what we want. when we have. For a really, really nice tone, for example, like in the um, uh, the second movement of uh, Brahms' Second Symphony, the, the big the big cello moment there. <laughs> If we play that with a vibrato that's too um, uh, uh, narrow and too fast, uh, then it really changes this, the tone completely. It makes it sound almost pinched instead of really nice and big, a sound that's really just kind of doing this instead of instead of doing that. So that's something I think we should think about in terms of tone as well. Um, now tone you know is a very very particular thing uh, and I know some of you may, may not like some of my ideas but really um, when you think about uh, at least what I consider to be the really great cellists the one thing that they all have in common is that distinctive sound. Um, now I say distinctive but there's there's commonality between them as well. For example, Foreman had that very, very focused sound, but also his vibrato could be very limpid, the, the great cellist Emmanuel Foreman. Um, Rostropovich's sound was enormous, and it's, it, it's, at times it could be even almost kind of raw and and untamed, and the vibrato was so wide um, uh, that, that really he could just fill a concert hall just like an, an, an opera singer could. Um, and then there was, of course, uh, the great American cellist Leonard Rose, the teacher of, of Yo-Yo Ma and of, and of Lynn Harrell, Um, uh, who had really a golden sound and and there was always so much beauty but also a lot of size in the sound and there's a a ton of other cellists I I can think of too that that all have this kind of common quality Uh, what makes them distinctive is of course how they use these different techniques but really what I want you to do is is I want you to think seriously very seriously about your sound how you create sound You know, we all focus on very important matters like intonation and, uh, uh, you know, the correct bow hold and the correct posture and all these things, Um, but I think we could all focus a lot more on just the sheer quality of our sound and uh, is it it a sound that is um, something that would be appealing um, and interesting uh, for someone else to really listen to? Is it an attractive sound? Uh, this, I think, is what the cellist, especially amongst all the instruments, needs to be thinking about very seriously and very deeply. Uh, I hope you leave your comments uh, down below. Uh, I, 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 I hope that we have a really fun conversation about this. I'd also love to hear if there's a particular cellist uh, that, that you think of, either, you know, uh, from, uh, who's alive now or somebody from the past. Um, and uh, if, if there's somebody I've never heard of, uh, uh, please tell me. I'd, I'd love to know who they are and, and listen to, to their sounds. I, I really I find it interesting to study a wide variety of, of uh, different sounds from all sorts of different cellists um, and also to figure out what they all have in common. So anyway, uh, thank you. I um, uh, hope you enjoyed this video. And uh, again, please leave your comments down below. Uh, once again, this has been Joseph Mendoz uh, for virtualsheetmusic.com.